if you had the opportunity, um, <laughs> who would you like to meet face to face? Is it someone who is uh, currently living, or is it someone who, um, you know, died long ago, maybe, or recently? Um, maybe it's a, a, a person who is uh, famous, uh, a, a movie star. Is a person who you would like to meet face to face? Are they? Uh, would they be a world leader, <laughs> uh, an inventor, uh, a thinker? Um, maybe the person you would like to meet face to face would be a, a, a past president or a, um, a famous author of some sort. I mean, who would you most like to meet face to face? Back in the mid-1990s, I had my brief uh, brush with fame. Um, <laughs> a couple of years after he retired from playing baseball with the, the, the twins, um, I met Kirby Puckett. Um, I was playing in a pickup basketball game at a local athletic club, and uh, to my surprise, uh, Kirby Puckett walked in, <laughs> and he joined my team. I mean, this was extraordinary. I mean, back in the, uh, I remember thinking, you know, um, wow, this is kind of just unreal. Um, I mean, I had watched this guy hit that uh, uh, home run on TV. I wasn't able to be there, of course, in person, but I was able to watch on TV uh, Kirby Puckett hit that uh, a home run to force game seven of the World Series back in 1991. And so now I thought, here I am, I'm playing basketball with this guy, and I'm telling him, Kirby, pass me the ball, pass me the ball. <laughs> and I thought, this is, this is unbelievable. What I had watched from a distance all became very real and very exciting and very personal as I met him face to face. Who would you like to meet? <laughs> if you had your choice, who would you like to meet face to face? On Easter Sunday morning, several women went to Jesus' tomb, fully expecting Jesus to be there, but <laughs> to their surprise, he wasn't there. Jesus had, had, had risen, and an angel appeared to them and said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him, they said. Let me summarize what that angel told those women. <laughs> he said, Jesus is not here. He is risen from the grave, and soon you will see him face to face. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul explains exactly uh, that that's exactly what happened. In fact, I want to invite you to turn um, to 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. You can use one of the pew Bibles in front or... Maybe you have it on your phone, um, you know, or maybe you, in fact, have an actual, um, you know, brought your Bible with you this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, um, starting in verse 3. Look with me at what the Apostle Paul says here. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Paul, in those um, verses in that passage, he tells us about two epic, life-changing events that took place. The first is given to us in, in verse 3. Do you see this? Christ died for our sins, he says. Now, if you were with us on Friday evening, our Good Friday service, we, we focused on, on that event. Christ died for our sins. Jesus died. Why, Paul says? Well, <laughs> for our sins. When the Greek word uh, which we translate here for um, is used in other contexts, it means on behalf of. So Paul is literally telling us that Christ died on behalf, on our behalf to deal with our sins. In other words, Jesus took our place. They say in China, the extremely wealthy um, can avoid prison terms by hiring body doubles. Um, according to Slate.com, a wealthy 20-year-old named Hugh was drag racing his friends um, when he struck and killed a pedestrian. Although Hugh received a three-year uh, prison sentence, allegations arose that... Um, uh, that the man appearing in court and, and serving that three-year sentence wasn't Hugh at all, but it rather was a hired body double. <laughs> in another case, the owner of a demolition company that illegally de demolished a home hired a destitute man and promised him $31 a day for each day that the body double spent in jail. So evidently, in, in China, this practice is so common, in fact, that they uh, have a term for it. They call it the uh, substitute criminal. Now, that may seem scandalous to us. I mean, justice is not <laughs> met by the, the wealthy being able to get off scot-free, right? But I have to tell you that um, 2,000 years ago, an even larger scandal took place. And it involves us, involves you and I. We, we get off scot-free. <laughs> Jesus became our substitute and took the punishment that, that, that we deserve when he was nailed to the cross. He took the penalty of our sins in his own body. As Peter reminds us in his first letter, the death of Christ was the righteous for the unrighteous so that he might bring us to God. Now, as proof of this fact, what Paul does here in this passage is he tells us that um, uh, not only did Christ die, but that Christ was buried. Now, I got to tell you, that's not an insignificant throwaway little um, uh, note that Paul gives us here. Because, listen, um, if Christ was never totally dead, if, if, if Christ had just fainted or, 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 or swooned or, or momentarily collapsed on the cross, then his resurrection would be no miracle. 
And there would be no redemption. There would be no savior. A woman once wrote to J. Vernon McGee, said, our preacher said that on Easter, Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? McGee replied, dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes, nail him to the cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for three days, then see what happens. <laughs> see, Jesus did not simply faint on the cross. Now, he, he was tortured, beaten, and killed by the Romans, stone cold dead <laughs> and was buried like dead people always are. And all this happens, Paul tells us here, according to the scriptures. I mean, that's one way that we, are, we, we know that this event, it, it means something. The Bible tells us that Jesus' death what it means. It, it wasn't some senseless killing, uh, nor a, a heroic act, nor a, a, an event in, in search of some, you know, explanation somewhere. Now, God's requirement of a sacrifice for sin is all over the Old Testament, including the explicit promise that you find in Isaiah chapter 53, where it tells us um, that the Lord was pierced for our transgressions. <laughs> He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought uh, um, us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's a, a great hope of Christianity, right? God sent his son, his, his Messiah, to die for our sins so that we don't have to die for our sins. That's the first uh, epic core event um, of the Christian faith. The second one, he gives us again in, in verse 4. Look what he says here. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Uh, um, Easter happened, friends. Two things I want you to see in this statement that uh, Paul makes here. First, notice the passive voice. Um, he was raised. A little grammar reminder, Okay. Um, you know, let's go back to our uh, student days. Um, um, uh, passive voice, in the passive voice, the subject is not the doer, okay? But it's acted upon by some other person or, or some other thing. For example, you might say um, uh, that um, this book was read by Joel. Well, um, the book was not doing the reading, right? Joel was doing the reading. Um, in, in, in a similar way, Jesus didn't raise himself. That's the point. He was the one acted upon. It was God, the, the Father, who raised Christ, the, the Son. In, and in so doing, he vindicated his death on the cross. In Romans chapter 1, very beginning of Romans chapter 1, Apostle Paul writes, regarding his Son who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, do you hear that? Jesus was declared, declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection. 
In other words, the resurrection was an affirmation. It was a, an authentication. It was a demonstration. It was a declaration that Jesus is truly the Son of God. See, Jesus didn't become the Son of God through the resurrection. He was the Son of God in eternity with the Father and the Spirit in heaven. He was the Son of God in, in, in the virgin's womb. He was the son of God as he lay in that manger, as he walked around Nazareth and and walked through those villages of Galilee. He was the son of God when he died on the cross. He was the son of God when he rose on that third day. He was the son of God when he ascended to the right hand of, uh, of the Father in heaven. And he will be the son of God when he comes again in power and glory. See, being the son of God was not something that was just, you know, added on to Jesus as a reward for his good living. No, the resurrection declared what had already was true. He was the son of God. I know the last 2,000 years, you know, there's been endless, right, endless debates about um, Jesus. More has been written about him Um, than any other person. But it was in the resurrection, see, that God says, I am making a declaration. This is my son. (laughs) And that declaration, I got to tell you, that declaration's for us, for you and I. I mean, think about it. The angels know who he is. The demons, I mean, they know who he is. God is speaking to You, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he says, listen, this is my son. Listen to him. Um, Turn to him. Come to him. Follow him. Learn from him. Worship him. Trust him. The second thing you need to know uh, in that phrase, I want you to see, it's a little bit more difficult to, to notice in the English. Because in that phrase where it says, he was raised on the third day, uh, the, the verb was raised is in the perfect tense. Okay, another grammar <laughs> lesson here, which means that this past action extends into the very present. Um, Jesus was raised in life in the past, but, and here's the point, he continues to live in the present. He's alive today. And the proof that Jesus really died was the fact that he was buried, right? And the proof that Jesus is alive today is the fact that he appeared to a multitude of witnesses. Look again with me at starting in verse 5. Look at his appearances. And then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. There is Cephas, or Peter. Then there's the 12 disciples, and then more than 500. Um, Then James, and then the apostles. And finally, there's the appearance to Paul himself. Now, I got to tell you, these aren't the same kind of appearances uh, that people claim to see or experience today. Um, you know, uh, reports of Jesus' uh, face appearing on a billboard or, you know, in dental x-rays uh, or uh, tree trunks or, you know, uh, on garage doors. 
And when Paul states that Jesus uh, appeared and people saw him, he means people saw him in the flesh. Jesus was simply some apparition. No, he, he was alive. These people, they, they touched him and they talked to him and, and they, they ate with him and they embraced him. In this list, you read here, there were, there were uh, deniers and there were doubters and there were the, the disheartened. And then, of course, there's Paul himself, a hater and, and persecutor of the early church. I mean, Jesus, he appeared to hundreds in person. Catch this, face to face. Now, that's important because... If people saw Jesus face to face, I got to tell you, there's two things that are true. The first is that God is knowable. You can know him. Now listen, I don't know what your opinion of Jesus is. If you listen to his lessons, you might conclude um, that he was a a, a great teacher. If you uh, looked at his miracles, you perhaps would think of him just as as a humanitarian. You you uh, focus on the cross, maybe you think of him as a revolutionary, a, a martyr. But see, the resurrection, I got to tell you, that changes everything. <laughs> the resurrection is a single silent witness to Jesus' deity. I mean, if he were anyone less than God, he couldn't have, been, he couldn't have risen from the grave. But he did, which means, think about this, Jesus is God, and if he's God, then God came to earth God stepped into time and, and space and clothed himself with, with human flesh and he came near and he did this so that we could know him, so that we could get close to him, so that we could have a, a relationship with him. Second, I got to tell you, the fact that people saw Jesus face to face means that new life is possible. John 10.10 10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The life Jesus was talking about, I got to tell you, it wasn't some old life that was, you know, restored or, 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 or revarnished, you know. There's a story back in 2008, um, came out of a legal case um, against a group called Unique Performances out of uh, North uh, Dallas. As the story was reported, customers paid slightly more than $200,000 for rebuilt custom Mustang Shelby's. Um, Now, except for one problem. Uh, It appears that the company used old Shelby bodies, removed the VIN plates from those vehicles, used knockoff parts from Taiwan and up to 13 gallons of putty to fill cracks and dents to make the car all look brand new. Not surprisingly, of course, the buyers balked. They didn't want any old car patched up to made like a new car. No, they wanted a new car made perfect. I got to tell you, God isn't in the renovation business, friends. He's in the resurrection business. He's not just in the business of patching us up, but he's in the business of making us completely new. Romans 6, 4 says, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus' resurrection is the prototype and proof that new life is possible for each one of us. And this too all happened 
Paul tells us, according to the scriptures, God had long signaled that it would be this way, not just in a few specific Old Testament passages uh, uh, to the resurrection, but in all the ways that God spoke to his, uh, of his Messiah, being a conquering and, and triumphant king to deliver his people. Jesus lived, and Jesus died, and Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose, and Jesus appeared. Okay, now let's get a little personal. Remember how Paul, down in verse 8, said that he was the last of the eyewitnesses of the risen Christ? He marvels at that, not only because Jesus... um, He saw Jesus long after Jesus had uh, risen and ascended into heaven, but because Paul was the last person on earth who deserved to see Jesus face to face, given his, you know, his history, persecuting the church. Because of the resurrection, I got to tell you, God no longer needs to remain at a distance for any of us. Now you, like Paul, you can meet Jesus face to face. Paul, the persecutor, the murderer of of Christians, the hater of Jesus himself is proof that no one is out of the reach of God's grace. If God would save Paul from his sins and give Paul the holy honor of, of serving him, think about this, God can surely do it for anyone who believes that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. At most American funerals, people say that a person is, you know, quote, unquote, in a better place, right? Now, listen, they don't have a shred of evidence, of course. It's just, you know, kind of convenient. It's, it, it's, it's their philosophy. It's their way of thinking. It's something that they want to believe. <laughs> but I got to tell you, Jesus' resurrection from the dead gives us a concrete reason for our hope. But before you can meet Jesus face-to-face there, you must meet him by faith here. People have defined faith as wishful thinking or um, a blind belief. Faith is this mental narcotic that helps us get through those, those tough days The Bible defines faith simply as trust. It is a confident belief in in who Jesus is and and what he has done. But see, there's a problem. And the problem is called sin. Sin's the one obstacle in in the way of us living the life God intended. Sin stands in the way of having a relationship with God. Sin stands in the way of heaven and in the way of us meeting Jesus face to face. That's why God sent his son, right? To die on the cross for our sins, to be our substitute, to remove that obstacle of sin. And he raised him from the dead to prove that God is knowable and new life is possible. The person who places her faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, who has died for sin and been raised from the dead, this person enters into a relationship with God and begins uh, living a new life today that she will fully enjoy in heaven. 
John 6.40 says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, believes in him, shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at that last day. Everyone who looks to the Son, that is, everyone who places their faith in him for salvation, will receive eternal life and will enjoy the resurrection from the dead into the very personal presence of God himself. Just think, Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his friends. And one day he promises his friends will be raised from the dead and appear before the Lord. Jesus Christ, friends, is the most important person you could ever meet. But before you can meet him face to face there, you must meet him by faith here. Have you placed your faith in him? Your eternal destiny is at stake. Harry Pritchard shares a story that I want to end with this morning. Um, and he writes this. He shares this story. He says, once upon a time, I had a young friend named Philip. Philip was born with Down syndrome. He was a pleasant child, happy it seemed, but increasingly aware of the difference between himself and other children. Philip went to Sunday school. His teacher, also a friend of mine, taught the third grade class with Philip and nine other eight-year-old boys and girls. You know eight-year-olds. And Philip, with his differences, was not readily accepted. But my teacher friend was creative, and he helped the group of eight-year-olds. They learned, they laughed, they played together, and they really cared about one another, even though eight-year-olds don't say they care about one another out loud. My friend could see it. He knew it. He also knew that Philip was not really uh, part of that group. Uh, Philip did not choose, nor did he want to be different. He just was. And that was just the way things were. My friend had a marvelous idea for his class the Sunday after Easter. You know those things, uh, that pantyhose come in, you know, the containers that look like big great eggs? Uh, you know, my friend collected 10 of them. The children um, loved it when he brought them into the room. Each child was to get one. It was a beautiful spring day, and the assignment was for each child to go outside, find a symbol of new life, put it into the egg, and bring it back to the classroom. And then they would open it and share their new life symbols and surprise, um, uh, surprises one by one. It was glorious. I mean, it was confusing. It was wild. They ran all over the church grounds, gathered the symbols, returned to the classroom. They put all the eggs on the table, and then the teacher began to open them. All the children, they stood around the table. He opened one, and there was a flower, and they oohed and odd. He opened another. There was a little butterfly. Beautiful, the girls all said, since it's hard for eight-year-old boys to say beautiful. He opened another, and there was a rock. The third graders, as third graders will, some laughed, and, and some said, that's crazy. How's a rock supposed to be about new life? But the smart little boy who had found it spoke up. That's mine, and, and I, I knew all of you get flowers and buds and leaves and butterflies and stuff like that, so I got a rock because I wanted to be different. And for me, that's new life. <laughs> they all laughed. My friend said something about the 
profundity of eight-year-olds and opened the next one, there was nothing there. The other children, as eight-year-olds will, said, that's not fair, that's stupid. Somebody didn't do it right. And my friend felt a tug on his shirt. He looked down. Philip was standing beside him. It's mine, said Philip. It's mine. Children said, you didn't do things right, Philip. There's nothing there. I did so do it right, Philip said. I did do it. It's empty. The tomb is empty. There was silence. A very full silence. And for you people who don't believe in miracles, I want to tell you that one happened that day last spring. From that time on, it was different. Philip suddenly became a part of that group of eight-year-old children. They, they took him in. He was set free from the tomb of his differentness. Philip died last summer. His family had known since the time he was born that he wouldn't live out a full lifespan. Many others, uh, many other things had been wrong with his tiny body. So late last July, with an infection that most normal children could have quickly shrugged off, Philip died. The mystery simply enveloped him. At the funeral, nine eight-year-old children marched up to the altar, not with flowers to cover over the stark reality of death. Now, nine eight-year-olds with their Sunday school teacher marched right up to that altar and laid on it an empty egg, an empty, old, discarded pantyhose egg. (laughs) Friends, the tomb is empty. It's empty. Christ has risen. God is noble and new life is possible. So let the celebration continue.